I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures. And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses. As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out. <laughs> but you eventually figured things out, right? For the most part, through trial and error and mentorship. But now as a VC, I'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics. So Stacy and I are here to share that earned wisdom with you, along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects. We are. The roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips. So turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey. Hi, welcome back. This is Stacy with Mass Ventures. We're going to talk about some key tactics for early stage marketing. Okay, you're just getting out of the gate. What are some things you can do on your own dime? And to help me with this or to instruct us today, we are talking to one of my favorite marketing people, which is Bobby Carlton. Bobby, I will let you share your background with your best words. <laughs> You'd be better than me. <laughs> All right. So I usually tell people I've got a number of jobs. The day job is I run a PR and marketing firm. Uh, the night job is I'm running Mass Innovation Nights. It's a monthly new product launch event. Every month we help launch at least 10 new products. And over the last Oh, more than a decade, we've launched about 1,500 new products in the Boston market. Wow. I also founded Innovation Women, uh, which is an online speaker bureau for entrepreneurial, technical, and professional women. And over the pandemic, a little bit of retail therapy, about two more companies, a <laughs> magazine for women entrepreneurs, and also a research service for professional speakers called My Speaker Leads. So yeah. what that means is... I spend a lot of time marketing and my background is primarily enterprise software. I headed up global PR at Cognos, Parametric Technology Corporation, and worked with a bunch of different agencies in the Boston market. So that's me. So um, let's talk about some key tactics. What are some things, what are, what's the first thing that people really need to get right? The startups need to get right. Ah, the first thing is for a lot of entrepreneurs, they come to me and they start talking about brand and branding. And I think in a lot of their heads, what they're thinking about is, I need a logo. I need colors. And yeah. yes, those are great things. Logos but, are great. You know, you need a lot more than just that. Uh, if you are just getting started, you know, you need to th do things like think about your company name, you know, will people understand what it is you do and how oh, yeah. quickly can they understand what you do? I mean, you know, I use the example for myself and, you know, Carlton means nothing to anybody but me, you know, but when I was branding Carlton PR and marketing, I said, well, I'm looking for clients who are solving a particular problem. They understand that public relations and marketing are all part of the same thing. So I want clients who think about PR and marketing or integrated communications. So I put it right into the name of my company. And that means that people who are my potential best customers come and find me. So if you're thinking about your branding, you're thinking about your naming, how can you get your best customer to come and look for you? Think about it. Well, and this gets into, I think what you're touching on is like understanding their lingo or your promise to them. Absolutely. 
the keywords. All right. So I may tell you that I create blockchain for healthcare companies. All right. Now, if you're a healthcare company, are you really going to look for blockchain or are you going to look for the solution to a problem? So you have to think from the point of view of a customer. How is your customer Googling something, right? Yeah. You know, it's the what great equalizer, Googling? right? What is the question they're asking? What are they looking for? Not what are you trying to sell them? And sometimes, yes, you need to throw in the buzzword of the day if you're talking to potential investors, but it may not be the buzzword of the day is a good fit for your customer searches. Yeah. Investors want to know how it works underneath the hood, but customers really don't. They're just like, they don't care if it's microfluidics. They just want to go from a 10 hour test to a 10 minute test. Solve so, my pain. Yeah. The value solve my pain. So I'm yours forever. So what you're saying is like, before you even name your company, start early, make those phone calls, have those discussions, do that research that the, the hundred phone calls, as they say, this is an I-Core or lean launch and figure out their pain. But I love how you just very simply put PR and marketing in the name. Like don't and, have people guess. And it means that my website, my domain name, my URL is a good match for often what people are looking for. And I will often uh, see it's right somebody, in, right. right. Uh, often somebody will go looking for a PR firm that also does marketing or a marketing firm that also does PR. And my website will come up when they go looking for that in the Boston market. Early on, think about what it is somebody looks for. Think about how you are communicating what your company mission is and what your offering is in your company name, in your domain name, and in the keywords that you choose when you are optimizing your website. Also, go off and look and see before you name your company. Can you get all of the social media associated with your company name? Hmm. Can you get the domain names? I mean, I have had clients show up at the door all ready to create their website. They don't have the domain yet. And the domain is taken. The social media is taken. And they end with something less that's op less than optimal, a .net or a .info, when they could have had a domain name that was a perfect fit. I think it's important. Don't get too stuck on something that yeah. it just turns out to be overused already. And there's too, close, too many close, close things. My thing is don't make it too cute. Don't make it also too technical. Like you know, this is just like, people are like, we don't, like you say, people don't really care that it's blockchain. They like, if you're naming a company, use that name for a few days. Like every time you answer your phone, answer it with the name of your company. Can it be easily said? You know, mm. if you end up, it's like naming a kid, you know, what's their nickname going to be? Yeah. What is the, the misspellings? It is hard, but now we're also leading into the, probably maybe the next like key tactic, which is like, how do you have a good website? Uh, and I yes. suppose people just go today onto Wix and build something. But yes, I mean, so many considerations with websites and website architectures. You have to think about what you want your website to do. And oh, by the way, you know what, what your website does today 
is probably going to be a little bit different than what your website does tomorrow. We hope so. We hope, right? (laughs) You know, tomorrow you could be selling right off your website. Today, you just might need something that is an online brochure or brochureware. It doesn't have to be that active. Yeah, sometimes you're still even in sort of stealth mode, but you still want some information there, you know. You want to be credible. You want to make sure that when somebody comes to your website, they go, this is a real company. Yeah. Oh, pet peeve. Nobody lists where their location is anymore. (laughs) That's not good. And you know what? If you don't list a location, you know, how is a potential customer going to feel about you? It's not just an address. It's having a team and, you know, Mm. like seeing people's faces, people buy from other people. They want to know that you're there that you can pick up the phone and call that company and talk to a real life person. Another pet peeve for me is seeing a website that hasn't changed since day one, right? They put up a beautiful website and then they walked away. Oh God. Yeah. You know, and it's like, there's no, or they did three blog posts and nothing since then. And that was in 2015. Are they still in business? I assume they're not in business. It's a top. I assume they're not in business as well. And you see it's not updated and you're like, they're out of business. They're out of business. Too bad. Of course, a key bit of advice is that even if you hire a specialist about your website, make sure that you get some local control. Absolutely. Very, you know, at four in the morning when you're not sleeping, you could do a blog post and just wake that site up a little bit. Clients that have come to me with websites that somebody somewhere built that they have no control over. They don't even know where it's hosted. And they're like, can you help us with this? No, no, I can't. I'm not touching that. So get something created that you can yourself manage, that you can change, that it's scalable. You can add on to it. And it gives the world a good sense of who you are. What are your some of your favorite website hosting companies? You know, I, I do a lot in WordPress because WordPress A, it's easy to find developers for and B, you know, we're a marketing team and we are pretty comfortable in, in managing it and building onto it and making changes in it. Uh, we generally host our websites in something called WP Engine where, you know, I have all of my client websites. So we have, you know, like a dozen websites in a single uh, account. And, you know, it's something that is pretty stable and it's keeping those websites up and it's easy to manage. It gets, it gets more complex when people have a lot of sales Absolutely. on a website, but we'll move forward to, okay, we assume they have a great website, but it should also have some search engine optimization Absolutely. from the get-go. That's another part of making it great. Understanding SEO or search engine optimization is a huge win. If you understand what goes into getting found. All right. So let's picture what happens when your customer is getting ready to buy. What's the first thing they do? They head on over to Google. You want to be one of the first three options. If they are typing in the, the kind of product they need, or if they are looking for the answer to a question, one of the first three options gets you something like 85% of the clicks. Wow. That is a huge percentage. Right. So if you're not there, you're going to have to start buying placement and buying traffic. In other words, using ads to get to people who are looking for you. So if you can get there naturally by optimizing your website to be one of those first three options, 
it's a game changer in terms but of how your do you marketing get, budget. How do you optimize to be the top? So player? understanding the algorithms that Bing and and Google use, and I say Bing for some very specific kinds of companies. The eighteen hundred pound gorilla in search is Google. So optimizing your website, having the right content, having the right words, and having inbound links from other places. If you uh. think about how people often define something, okay, say I'm writing an article about widgets and I want to link to the definition of a widget, I'm going to link off to Wikipedia because Wikipedia is the place where so many things are defined. And so Google looks at that and says, well, everybody who's writing about widgets links to this place called Wikipedia. So Wikipedia has the best definition for this thing. So if somebody types into the search engine, define widget, Google, whose role it is to make sure that you always find what you need, is going to say the best definition for widget is found in Wikipedia because everybody links to it. So you want to be the place that other people link to for your topic. So do you write like articles then for industry mags or blog? You write articles, people? you get coverage where your company has a link in the article. You get, you do things like you answer questions on Quora or you use search, you use yeah. social media because those links from social media sites like Twitter? back to your sites, Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and all these other places, all of these different links going back to your website. You know, think about answering questions or putting comments in. You know, the reason there's all that spam out there is because people are trying to optimize websites. So they're throwing links in anywhere they can get them. So, you know, all of that spam is somebody's attempt to provide inbound links to some website. Right, right. So you right. have to get legitimate links. You have to get real links. Well, and when I you're speaking of... at a conference is, a, is one way that people do it. That's what I was going to say. I mean, that's early stage. I think for a lot of deep tech companies, it's really getting those conference presentations. A lot of those people in the audience are actually not going to buy, right? but they influence, obviously it's like their key opinion leaders that you get in the conference proceedings, you. And often the conference is topical. Yeah. So it's an inbound link from something that is related to your industry. So if it's relevant and you have a link, it is worth far more than a, there are different kinds of links. There are keyword links. There are named links, you know, your company name is linked. And there's also what I consider kind of the semi-useless link. Wherever you see like somebody is like, learn more about this topic here. And they link on the word here, like, ah, it's such a waste. <laughs> if they said, learn more about widgets and link the word widgets here, that's worth more. That's oh, because it's, it's keyworded to it's widgets. Keyword, not right. To yep. So again, it's keyworded to microfluidics and not the word here. The meaningful keyword link over the meaningless link. Right. And of course, put way. all the keywords on your websites. Yes. And, but and don't go crazy. Way. I mean, there's a lot of things. I see a lot of articles that are, are stuffed with keywords and Google's like, I'm suspicious of this. 
So mm. I'm going to back away. So you can't go overboard. There's some great tools out there. Uh, if you're just getting started and you're creating a website, a lot of times if you're using something like WordPress, there are search engine optimization tools, like one's called Yoast. And it will guide somebody who knows nothing about search engine optimization through all of the different steps. It'll nice. help you with key keywords. It'll help you with clear writing. It'll help you with internal links and inbound links. It'll help you write the little explainer text that you see on Google. It does everything. It'll make sure that you are naming your images. When you put an image on a page, you oh, want to yeah. make sure that the name of the image isn't some random string of numbers. So there's yeah. all kinds of like Google has over a hundred different attributes in its algorithm and they change them. You know, they're always trying to stay one step ahead of the spammers. Yeah. So Actually, this images, content is huge. American with Disabilities Act, I believe with images, you have to have a proper caption that makes sense. So they, they mouse if people with blind. Dis well, there's the naming of the image and then there's the description of the oh, image. Oh my goodness. I, I mean, so many different attributes uh, in the Google algorithms. But there's help out there with tools like yeah. this and there's articles people can read. There's people yeah, like And you it's a full-time job. And oh, if somebody offers to like search engine optimize your website for $49, that's a scam. You know, <laughs> real search engine optimization costs real money. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things where people, I think, especially when it's early on, you've got your, your website, maybe you're, you're trying to get yourself launched and there are all kinds of offers out there. Like I'll sell you 500 Twitter followers for $49 or I'll SEO or I'll submit your website to all of these directories. I mean, all this stuff is a scam. There are no shortcuts. Yeah. The, the reality is you need to create quality content using the lexicon of your customer, not your own lexicon. And you need to make sure that you're getting inbound links these are just the ways that people will find you. And when they find you, then you need to start having the conversation that moves them mentally through the sales process. Because when you start off, they don't know you from anybody, right? They don't know anything about you. They landed on a website, but how do you educate them? How do you get them to trust you? How do you get, how do you engage with them? How do you talk with them? So, you know, having conversations with these customers, offering them resources and educational materials, you're kind of bringing them into the fold. And then there my has favorite, to be a way to right. capture their emails. So you can my favorite vendors are the ones who are, well, of course, solving a problem, but they'll even yeah. help me solve a problem that they can't even sell to. You know, they're just starting to become a trusted friend. Trusted, um, trust, trusted friends are a great place to be on the web. The more people trust you, the more they engage with well, you. Well, or off the web. I mean, obviously <laughs> for a lot of startups, they're in stealth mode. They're they're not doing really a full website yet, but it's it's you still need those early stage customers and it all comes back to people. Um, yeah. and if you're thinking about early stage customers, think about them as potential references. And you can write an article together and leverage like their marketing people, especially if you have if it's a bigger customer, you can sell other people's like, hey, money. 
OPM for most people stands for other people's money. Other people's money. Exactly. But I actually say OPM and other people's marketers. Okay. Excellent advice there. I thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fundable Founder. Please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.